Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. My name is Dan Chapman. I'm a U.S.-based physical therapist and owner of Chapman PT in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm Chelsea Kuman, a physical therapist and athletic trainer at Stanford University Athletics. Today in our final episode of JOSPT Insights for 2022, we're wrapping and putting a bow, see what I did there, on our podcast. And I'm thrilled, as always, to get the chance to turn the interviewer's mic back onto both of you, Chelsea and Dan. Welcome to JOSPT Insights for the final episode of the year. Honored to be here. Dude, I just love the pun. I'm so riding on that pun, Claire. I appreciate what you did there. She's an editor at heart. <laughs> we have had we've had a really big year. It's a very consistent year of podcasting. And congratulations to both of you, Chelsea and Dan, for some wonderful listens that we're going to run through and share our highlights and the clinical takeaways from the podcast from this year. Thank you. It's been a ton of fun. Yeah, I still can't believe that we get to just like interview all these smart people all day. It's pretty sick. Chelsea, let me start with you. What did you take away from another year of listening to and learning from all of the wonderful experts that we've heard from on JOSPT Insights? I learned so freaking much. Legitimately, like every time we record, I take at least one thing away and I'm able to apply it. So I feel kind of spoiled that I get to like have the first, the first like pearl to take away when I interview people. Big takeaway from all of ours was progressive load, just how important it is. I think that's just like really important in the literature right now. So it's reflected in all these JOSPT interviews. Everybody kind of approached it a different way. So, you know, it's it's important for recovering from a hamstring strain. It's important for um, getting athletes back to sport, like we talked about in Sports Corners. I really loved how Nikki Phillips talked about like the complexity of the load. I've been trying to incorporate that into my practice, the mental aspects of it, not just the, the forces through that muscle. When we do functional rehabilitation, what we're actually doing is loading the neural system, whether that's peripheral or central. And so how do we go about structuring the loading that we do? How do we change the way we prescribe a functional exercise that might maximize what the benefits of really how we learn? What I tend to do is I might prioritize either in a stage of rehabilitation or where the patient is or perhaps a block of treatment that I'm doing. And then if you're prioritizing a specific tissue, how you load it will be geared towards that. So for instance, if I wanted to put a tensile load on a tendon or I wanted to create a strengthening stimulus and my priority was strength, then I'm going to reduce the neuromuscular challenge there because that will be the self-limiting factor. And then I might not get the adaptation I need in the muscle because I can't put enough load on the muscle because the limiting constraint factor is their ability to control that movement in the first place. Working with the Stanford University Athletics team, I can imagine that that's something you listen to it and you can put that into practice the next day that you're in the clinic. Yeah. I mean, like, again, I had to think about it because it's, it's Nikki Phillips is very good at what she does. And so I have to plan a little bit more, but yes, I do. 
Chelsea, one of the things that really resonated with me when we spoke with Ebony Rio was this idea, and I'm going to pick up on your your theme, that key theme that you mentioned of loading and progressing load. And Ebony, as our listeners will know, is sort of one of the queens of the tendon world. She talked a lot about the idea of managing the load and sort of progressing the load and tailoring the load to the demands of the athlete's sport. I often get asked, you know, what's better, eccentrics or isometrics? And what I want to direct people towards is the better question is, when do I use that exercise type? So there's actually a role for all of them. The key thing is working out right patient, right time, right dosage. So to give you an example, eccentrics, if they're given in season on top of already high in season loads, actually make people worse and people stop doing them. We can't apply recipe across every person in every environment. In a rehabilitation, it is really about understanding exercise prescription and where it fits into their rehabilitation journey. What really resonated with me was the idea that it it doesn't necessarily have to be eccentrics that you go to all of the time. So how have you put that into practice? I love that because it's, it's really just like trying to meet that patient and not trying to match like what they're supposed to be doing right now. And also like matching their sport, right? It really is just trial and error and know and getting to know your patient and letting them trust you so that you can, you can say, how does that feel? Is that enough load? If that's isometrics in the beginning, that's isometrics in the beginning. If that's concentrics in the beginning, that's concentrics, right? Know what muscle you're going for, what position it needs to be loaded in. And then coming up with a few different ways to do that has been really helpful for being able to load that muscle a little bit more specifically, a little bit faster, as opposed to just throwing eccentric at them, because that's what like the protocol says. Dan, you're also working really hard in the clinic, running your own practice. And I think you're seeing a cross section of the community. You're seeing athletes and and people from all walks of life. So what were your main takeaways or what were the key themes that really resonated for you in 2022? Yeah, I, I have a um a very, very broad, kind of, mo- I would say mostly orthopedic caseload. And the theme that, that, that really, really uh, was emphasized for me or really, really um, resonated with me was bioplasticity. Time and time again, people come into my clinic and, and especially if they're maybe 35 or 40 years of age or older, they say it's all kind of downhill from here, right? We associate bioplasticity and kind of being made of rub- rubber, so to speak, with the younger folk. And a lot of people don't really give themselves the chance to to think, hey, maybe actually I can improve from where I am, right? It's not just like a downhill decline from wherever I am right now. What someone tells us about how resilient or robust our body is drastically changes our pain experience. So if they're not sure something's safe, the exact same stimulus will hurt more. The available evidence for danger and safety appears to be important to the experience of pain. A hope for people, no matter how severe osteoarthritis is. So, for instance, there's really good clinical evidence that even people that are on, you know, a wait list for surgery, they will respond to exercise in terms of reductions in pain and increases in function. And that's important. And there's evidence to suggest that that is not at the detriment to the joint. Another aspect that I think is really concrete and relevant for people is that your cartilage is dynamic, which means that when we do things such as increasing activities slowly but surely, there are positive adaptations in cartilage. It means that when we're thinking about osteoarthritis, we are not just thinking about that joint. 
we have to consider lifestyle factors, which... Yes, even when in our older ages, we are responsive to change and to stimulus and we can improve. You got some extra additional, you got some requirements. Now, my my research right now um, as a PhD candidate is on master's donors, and that is especially true. As you get older, there's more things you got to work on. You're, you're naturally going to start losing strength quicker. You lose speed. You want to keep that. There's some extra stuff you got to do in terms of mobility and definitely when it comes to strength stuff. So appropriate training that prepares you for things like running and the differences in loading in the tendons, that all is going to play a factor. And so appropriate training of things like plyometrics and higher velocity movements is going to also be important. So frequently when people come in and they start running to get fit and then they get injured and they say, you know, I used to be able to do this. I guess I just can't do this anymore. And so the education piece on bioplasticity of we, we can do this, we can improve, but we probably, and it kind of ties into what Chelsea said, we probably haven't got the load right. That theme of bioplasticity and, and talking to people about how they, they absolutely can improve and change, we might just not have done it right the first time. And that's why you're in here. Um, and we need to retweak it. it has really, really resonated, not just with me, but with a lot of my patients. That's great to hear. We heard some great tips from Dr. Kevin Wernley recently about managing back pain and about challenging beliefs. And, and we heard similar themes from Tasha Stanton. I think we heard this a lot from, again, it was kind of a common theme that came through on the podcast of challenging beliefs in a safe way and in a way that helps open up the option for patients to kind of work through their own beliefs and challenge their own beliefs. They had these really powerful experiences throughout the interventions around, okay, if I relax my back, if I learn to be more normal with my movements and postures, and that wasn't an easy task for some people, quite a frightening task for people. So it takes a lot of, I suppose, guidance from the clinicians. But initially that conscious less protection or conscious non-protection resulted in less pain for many of these people. So by relaxing, by breathing, by moving normally, I'm able to reduce my pain. But I have to kind of consciously think about it. But eventually that became automatic. The more they realized that, okay, moving this way and posturing myself in this way actually feels better and which kind of flies in the face of what I've been told around things like damage or what I believed was things around damage and a broken spine. The more that I do that, the better it feels. Then therefore these patterns become automatic, non-conscious, habitual and, and back to normal. Such a great episode. If you treat patients with low back pain, even if you don't, please listen to that episode. It was he did such such a great job and it's such an interesting study. Pain neuroscience education is really, really important and it's also very popular. Sometimes it's easy to miss the boat and just focus on the education piece and set and talk about how you know pain can be amplified by by our fears and beliefs. And you want to challenge those beliefs. You know, you can't just tell someone that. Right. You also need to be able to, to show them that they can improve. Right. You need to show them that in the clinic and pair that with education. Absolutely. Now, Chelsea, we've talked a lot again this year on the podcast about getting people engaged and connecting with the different multidisciplinary players in a sports team, whether that's the other clinicians that you're working with or whether it's engaging coaches. We've heard lots about asking questions. It seems so simple, but legitimately, I mean, it just get. I think it's underrated. Amy Arendelle, uh, she talks about just like how she, I mean, she's treating these highest level athletes of like sports that she understands, but she's still takes the time to stop and ask them like how they play their sport and what's important to them. Step one is getting to know the athlete, not from a, necessarily from a sports perspective, but 
on a human level. Building that relationship from day one of we're here to help you. We're here to support you. This is a collaborative relationship and you are in the driving seat. Along with that then is getting to know their goals. What are they aiming for? Then we kind of do a little bit of a needs analysis. What does that athlete need to do to achieve that goal, right? Like, what is our timeline? It's an inter, it has to be an interdisciplinary needs analysis. My starting point needs to be, what do you think you need to do to get back to this point? Rather than my imposing my, my ideas first, I need to know what do they think? Because a lot of times those criteria may, are probably more important and will guide our rehab maybe better than if I sit down and I say, here's our criteria for our rehab. In the beginning of my career, I feel like I was like, I wanted to show them that I was confident. I wanted to show them that I knew what I was talking about. First of all, they just love to talk about their sport because they're athletes and they love it, right? And they want to teach you that. It's very much that idea of meeting the athlete or the patient, meeting the person where they are. And and I've that theme has really resonated for me across all of the episodes that we've ever done, I think, on JOSPT Insights. And I think that really highlights how we're striving to make something that's really clinically relevant and something that you as the listener can take and implement in day-to-day practice tomorrow or the next day that you're in the clinic. And with whoever you're working with, whether whether the person you're working with is eight years old or 80 years old, whether they're a professional athlete or a recreational runner or somebody who's wanting to start exercising for the first time. We've also talked a bit about preventing injuries or reducing the risk of injuries. And I know that both of you really loved, you love resources and don't we all, we love to have good resources that we can share with athletes and patients. So who would you like to give a shout out to in 2022? Who was good at sharing resources? Oh, for sure. Matt Whalen was uh, super excited about sharing all of his uh, resources for warm-ups. It's been shown to reduce injuries in all those areas. The new awesome. one that we put in with Football Australia, the Perform Plus, we added, we actually added the Copenhagen adductor exercise into the program because it wasn't a specific adductor, hip and groin targeted exercise. In saying that, the, most of the evidence is the 11 plus will reduce hip and groin injuries as well. Like in 2009, when the 11 plus was introduced, there wasn't a lot of evidence supporting the Copenhagen duck exercise. So what we did with our Perform Plus was not to reinvent the wheels, just to upgrade the model. We've unlocked it from the warm-up, so it can be done anywhere. There's a free off-the-shelf version out there, whether it's the 11 plus, whether it's the Perform Plus, if you want to get the the Australian one. There's videos, there's all sorts of bits and pieces out there that you can use. The Fit to Play website, there's another whole repertoire of exercise that you can look at on there as well. He's a nerd for a warm-up. So it was he was able to share that. It was really great. Dr. Mike Rosenthal was phenomenal looking at red flags. Imaging is becoming a, a big topic and I guess has been for for a fair amount of time in our profession in, in the United States. And they also applied the imaging guidelines from the American College of Radiology appropriateness criteria led to the selection of them doing magnetic resonance imaging for this patient. Usually we think of those advanced imaging modalities, MRI, CT scan, et cetera, as something to be done only after radiographs have been performed. But this ACR criteria in this particular case indicates that the most appropriate first line of imaging is actually magnetic resonance imaging. 
if you're not sure which type of imaging your patient may need, you can actually look up and see exactly, does this person need an MRI? Do they need an MRI with contrast or without contrast? Is this just an x-ray? Is this a CAT scan? Chelsea, one of my favorite innovations on JOSPT Insights this year was the Sports Corner. Can you tell us a little bit about Sports Corner, what we can expect to hear in 2023? So Sports Corner is because we just wanted to talk about the talk to the experts and learn from them. And we said we could do it on this podcast, can't we? We basically find these experts in their field. I mean, there are many experts in a certain sport. And then we ask them four basic questions. So what are the physical demands of that sport? What are common injuries that result from those physical demands? Sometimes it's like what's hot right now in that sport. Like what are the hot, what's what's the research looking like? What's some cool like hot topics? And then uh, what are the key things that we need to keep in mind when we're rehabbing athletes from that sport? It's primarily soft tissue injuries and then breaking down by body part, usually knee, hip, and then ankle. So soft tissue injuries in the on the women's side, quad is a big one hamstring and adductor as well. And then calf strains, calf injuries is another big one that that happens. I know before people used to always say, you know, adductor hamstring injuries only happened or a lot more prevalent in the men's game. And I think that the women's game is starting to get much faster and more explosive. And we are seeing a lot more of those injuries. They also tend to have some tendinopathies. Achilles tendinopathy can be a big one. Patellar tendinopathy, proximal hamstring tendinopathy. There's, there's going to be more of those. Really excited about it. Um, we're we're trying to explain our sports. We actually just recorded, spoiler alert, a skiing one. That's going to be really great coming up. So, I mean, we're just oh, hoping to do more sports and uh, expose more people to, to these experts so they can learn. Excellent. And I think the great thing about Sports Corner, and, and I think in our discussions of where this sort of idea originated, was Coming back again to what you talked about earlier, understanding the, the athlete's sport, maybe it's a sport that you're not so familiar with. You need to work with this athlete. You're trying to meet the athlete or the patient where they are. So trying to understand that is is really good grounding. And I think the Sports Corner gives us a, a nice grounding in the basics. Dan, another great series that we have started and you and Chelsea again have been leading is talking about cases on JOSPT Insights. So really taking the clinical case and pulling it apart and, and looking at what we can learn from cases. What have been your key takeaway messages from the JOSPT cases series and what can we expect to hear more of? What's your teaser for 2023? So cases has been a lot of fun because, you know, we, we have a lot of wonderful research that we can read, but sometimes it can be a challenge to say, okay, how does this research apply or how do I apply it to the patient that's sitting right in front of me? And so JOSPT cases is literally that. And what we've been doing is talking to the editors and breaking down some really, really good cases that have some clinical pearls in them. So far, we've been focusing on the musculoskeletal imaging side of JOSPT cases. And so the, the three episodes that we've done so far have focused on the importance of imaging, both on clinical decision making, but then also on the referral out process as well, or referring out process, how to interpret the imaging that's coming in and how to interpret, is this something that's appropriate for me? Do I refer it out? And if so, where does this need to go? And so moving into the next year, we're going to continue with the JOSPT cases, musculoskeletal imaging episodes, but also add on cases episodes that are not solely focused on imaging, 
and is just actually focused on the clinical decision-making and the interventions of the PT with the patient in front of them. And so I'm really, really excited to kind of have both of those at play. These podcast episodes are the perfect complement to JOSPT Cases, the journal, which folks can subscribe to if you head to the the website www.jospt.org. You'll find the links to subscribe to JOSPT Cases if you're not already a subscriber. All right, Chelsea, Dan, thank you very much for all that you've contributed to JOSPT Insights in 2022. Claire, really, the thank you is to you for um, leading the charge on all of this. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Uh, We have just like the best job in the world where we get to talk to really smart people and pick their brains and ask them questions, but it wouldn't happen if people weren't listening to this podcast. So thank you so much to every listener. A big thing that, you know, if, if you are listening and you have people that you would love to hear about or topics that you want to hear about, you can reach out and please feel free to contact us directly. We'd love to hear from you. For sure. And a big thanks from me to our more than 11,000 regular subscribers. Collectively, you've downloaded JOSPT Insights close to a half a million times, which is just so exciting. It blows my mind. We're really grateful to have your ears and we look forward to bringing you lots more of the content that you love in 2023. And as Dan says, we always love to hear from you with guest suggestions and feedback. So please do get in touch on our social media channels. You can find us at JOSPT on Twitter or JOSPT official on Facebook and Instagram. Please use the hashtag JOSPT Insights and we'll certainly grab a hold of that feedback. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, we're JOSPT Official. Talk with you next time. Mm